Welcome back to the Flow Track Podcast. FlowTrackPodcast at gmail.com is our email address. I'm Kevin, joined by Gordon. You can also find the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and wherever else you listen to podcasts. FlowTrack.org slash FlowTrackPodcast is where you can watch us. Good morning, Gordon. It is, well, I'm going to do the Lincoln thing. It is December 15th. Go. Do you know what's important about that date? We're said, only not the, 16 not the days date. from your birthday. Not, no, we're only 15 days from my birthday, but that's not why. <laughs> what's today? What is today? 12-15? Oh, a week before the NBA season kicks off. But today, no. what is today? I'm not sure. What is it? Philadelphia 76ers make their preseason debut. Oh, oh big, oh, oh. big news. They're the last team to play in the preseason against the Boston Celtics. All other 28 teams have played, except for the Celtics and the Sixers. They saved the best for last. Mm-hmm. This is the start of the dynasty. Seth Curry, <laughs> Danny Green. Jordan All new team every great. year. Must be fun. Must All be new fun. Team. Is, it, is it bad that I, A, watched a majority of the Spurs' first preseason game and, B, am ready to throw the towel in on the season at, based on the result in that game? That's bad, right? Yeah. It, it's really bad. People who, it, people who watch preseason games need help, I think. Like, you need help. I need help because I'm going to watch the whole thing. I'm going to overanalyze yeah. everything. It's just going to be... It's weird. Why? Why? Why do? Are there certain sports fans out there who are so invested and care that they're willing to watch practice? It just doesn't make any sense. Here's why I watched it. The season starts in a week or week and a half, so I assume they were going to be going full go, and the starters would get a lot of minutes, and they wouldn't be trying to lose. It's not like an NFL game where people are just trying out new things, and the starting quarterback plays a couple drives, and that's it. Now, by the fourth quarter, it was the bench that was playing. So it wasn't a real game in that sense. But I thought the first half, both teams were actually trying. And the Spurs were getting run off the court by a team that's picked to be the worst team in the NBA, the Oklahoma City Thunder. And the problems that they had were the exact same problems that they had last year. They can't defend the three. So I said, I could chalk this up to just being a meaningless preseason game and them, them not trying. But it was the exact same issue they had before. But they had two guys out, so maybe I should wait. Maybe I should wait. Derek White wasn't there, and he's great. Of course. Derek White. He's going to change the whole team around. That's what it is. It's all about hey, – the whole league is waiting for Derek White to make his return. Bubble Bubble Derek White was very – well, regular Derek White is good. Bubble Derek White was even better. Keldon Johnson wasn't there either. But it was just the exact same stuff. It was, If it was just some weird fluke where they were missing wide open shot after wide open shot, but it was like the exact same thing that tormented me last year. I say this to you as a warning. Do not watch this game tonight. You're not going to like what happens in this game tonight because you're going to get angry about it. Except you have all new players every year, so it's not the same thing. You can chalk it up to, ah, they're just trying to gel as a unit out there. But me, I don't have that excuse because I've been watching the same guys year in and year out. For like 40 straight years. Exactly. Remember when when we went on the uh, Coaches Association slash NBA basketball game doubleheader? I think we're the only ones to ever do that, Gordon. We did Coaches Association interviews in the day, and then we went to the Sixers-Spurs at night. It was awesome. That was actually the Spurs' last meaningful win that they got, so I was glad to see it in in, in person. I'm not sure how – Jimmy Butler definitely was not trying in that game. 
in yeah. retrospect. He had like six points or something. And I was – I didn't want to sit in the car with you the whole way back after a Spurs loss. So I was very, very excited that they got the win in any event. Yeah, hopefully yeah. we'll get to do that this year. Maybe we'll get to do that uh, later on in the season. I don't know. When are they playing? What's, can you look up the schedule? Is there a yeah. – I know they front-loaded. I thought they – did they put the East games in the first half? That might make it a little harder to do. No, they still spread it out. Okay. If you, maybe Check something in May. Maybe something in May could work. Well, Gordon's we almost weren't going to be able to go be, last year. Like, I think they were, oh, it yeah. lined up pretty well. But uh, April. It was, was an April April game. We were on pause. By oh, we, April don't, there. we don't play at all in the first half. So we'll play two games in the second half. Well, so second one, half one could be. Yeah, but when would that be? When is the when are we saying first half, second half is based on the uh, so second half starts half. like mid March to end of April. Ooh, okay. Let's get something in April. Ooh, let's get that back. Va- let's get that vaccine if in me, there, and we're good to go. If we if we ever oh. go to the Penn Relays and there's oh, a well, Sixers yes. home game against San Antonio, that'll be perfect. Penn Relays yeah. Sixers doubleheader. That's what we're talking about. I'll go to any Sixers. They go- don't need to just be playing the Spurs. I'll, I'll go to any Sixers did, game. Didn't you go to an Atlanta game during the Olympic trials? We wanted to. There were like four. It was weird. There was like four Hawks games during the time we were there because they had a back-to-back and they had a day off and then they had another game. And uh, we, we didn't end up going because the schedule just didn't, in terms of our workload, did, didn't work out. But it was right there. We walked by it a whole bunch of time. We actually saw the Blazers team bus because they were playing – the Blazers. Someone told me when I was talking about potentially going, someone who had lived in Atlanta before told me, quote, yeah, it's not very fun. So <laughs> that could probably <laughs> put, put a damper on things. That was pre-Trey Young. Maybe it's a little more exciting. In any event, let's get into the show, Gordon. We have a few things to talk about and only a few. One of them, yeah, your favorite NCAA runner, not named Festus Legat, Quincy Hall, has gone pro after winning the NCAA 400-meter hurdle title two years ago now, or a year and a half ago. Now in 2019, he was probably on track to make the world team in 2019 as well too. 48-48 is what he ran in Austin, Texas that year, but didn't end up competing at USA's. He's also really fast in the flat 400. He's run 44-5. So not altogether too surprising that Quincy Hall is is turning pro, and I think he's going to be a favorite to make the Olympic team in the four meter hurdles next summer. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I like how I you have a rolodex of all my quote favorite NCAA athletes. I do have a yeah, it's true. Quincy Hall is someone that I like. Fest Legat, someone that I like. I, I used to like Peter Callahan. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I find one every two or three years. I'm all in on like <laughs> this is the one that's going to shock the world, you know. I was, I'm, I mean, Manuel Correa was one. I, I pick. Yeah. I have a, I have a. It's always the one that no one is thinking about. Who like is a transfer from mm-hmm. like you know. It's not like the kid who was good in high school and is going to Oregon or Colorado. It's always the one that like is just under the radar. Who I'm just saying, hey, they're going to come on board and then they're going to break out. Like I wish I would have predicted year Nagus. like that would have been like mm-hmm. that would have been my first like true like hey i was hyping yared as a freshman and now he's who he is but i didn't i didn't get on that train early enough but yeah uh quincy hall very good he 
was a community college, uh, California community college transfer, I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, went to South Carolina. Uh, he, sh- he showed his talent at a young age. Uh, right out of high school, I think his freshman year, he was still he went to USA's, and I think he made it to like the semi. Oh, I'm not sure. Was he at adult USA's or junior USA's? I don't know. You talking about in seventeen? Called... Yeah, seventeen. Seventeen. Adult. He won junior. He won juniors. He did not win the adults. He won the juniors in 2017 in Sacramento. I like call. Yeah. I like calling it now adult USA's and junior USA's because I went to the a. Um, like a Christmas light show cafe in Austin on Sunday night. And they have like hot chocolate cookies and all that stuff. Oh, Mozart. And Mozart. Mozart. Yeah. And the menu said adult hot chocolate. And when you see the phrase adult hot chocolate, what do you think? The alcohol's in it. Yeah. But no, adult just means large. It was like, <laughs> what? Why are you calling the adult hot chocolate large? Yeah, I don't know. I was just so, like, so, wait. <laughs> so seniors should like, call large, large. Yeah, seniors should call large. Yeah, uh, but yeah, he was good. I remember watching him at like the Stanford invite when he was running for Sequoias, mm-hmm. and he was like running out of his mind. I had mm-hmm. like a little bit of a, a down sophomore year, junior year. He kind of started off slow, but then finished high by winning NCAA's. I think this mm-hmm. guy. I know I was I wouldn't be surprised if he stays healthy and shows development that in the next three years he beats um why is his name going by my head? I know What's the name, name, but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say it because it's uh it's a crazy take, so I'm gonna wait. I'm gonna, I'm gonna let I'm gonna let you say that. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna say his Ryan name because I want to give you. Time. I want to give you he time beats, to rethink that thought. Nah, come no, on, no, man. no. I think he beat Dry Benjamin at USA's in one of the next three USA Outdoor Championships. I'm saying it right now. Twenty-one, twenty-two, or twenty-three. Yeah, he will, will be in one I'll, of those. I will not take that. But I will say, well, I will not go his three tw- for three. His his forty-eight, forty-eight, uh, put put him tenth last year. So he's a guy who can he can make a, a an Olympic final next year because we know right now there's this big old gap between the big three and that event and everybody else. And if he can get on that team, he can obviously make a final and potentially even finish in the in the top five. Uh, you know, it's hard to compare times between meets, but TJ Holmes ran forty eight fifty eight to get onto the U.S. team, and then Amir Latin ran 48-66. Hall had run, you know, 48-48, as I mentioned. So he's right there. He's right there in that group. There's still a big gap between that group and, and Rye Benjamin, about a second and a half at USA's last year. But fourth, fifth, that's not out of the question for him at the Olympics next year. I just think he had a massive improvement in year one at South Carolina – he was due to have another big improvement in year two at South Carolina that we never saw because of COVID. Mm-hmm. I just think he is not a 48-48 guy. I think he's a 47 guy, and we just don't know it yet. And that's why I think he will eventually beat Rye in one of the three years. Yeah, but here's the thing. Rye Benjamin's a 46 guy. Rye Benjamin's a 46 guy. So if you're going to make him leap up to 47s, that's fine. But Rye Benjamin's run 46 now. 
Yeah, but there was a point when Rob Benjamin was a 47 guy. That's true. And there was a point when uh, a caterpillar or a butterfly was a caterpillar. I mean... He's, he's, you're talking about one of the greatest of all time here, right? Benjamin, don't, don't be confused because he's going against two other greats about how good Rye Benjamin is. The list of guys who's run under 47 is very, very small here. Uh, I, yeah, I, but I'm high on Hall thinking he's going to make an Olympic team, but you're doing, see, you fell in love with him at Sequoias and I've fallen in love with him all over again, which is great. But now we have actual times and information. You think he's going to improve by a second and a half in a year? Yeah. Okay. In three years. In three years? I said okay. one of three years. It's probably not going to be this year. Could be, but it's probably not going to be. <laughs> so I'm, letting, I'm letting be potential. But it might. Could but be 2022 and 2023. I, yeah. I just think it's going to happen. I'm sorry. I just Call me okay. crazy. You're on record. You pick against USC record. a lot. You famously thought Nathan Allen was going to beat Michael Norman in the 400 in uh, oh. Eugene. There's a lot of that anti Yeah, that was a... That was a that was a tough pick for you. One thing I noticed, though, when Hall went pro, and this is something you need to factor in when doing your very, very, very important rankings that are coming up, because you've been talking about how hard it is to forecast, and I think it just underscores it, because that's another reigning champion from 2019 that's gone. And when you look and you go through the running events, I'm just looking at the running events here. Divine Oduduru, reigning 100, 200-meter champion, gone. Kamari Montgomery, 400-meter champion, gone. 800-meter champion, Bryce Hopple, gone. Yair Nagu is 15. We think he's going to be back. Steeple, gone. 5K, gone. 10K, gone. Grant Holloway in the high hurdles, gone. And then a Hall in the low hurdles, gone. On the women's side, you go event by event too. And I think I think only one or two will be back there, potentially with the Nellis in the 200 and Anna Cockrell in the 400, two USC Trojans there too. So you could have a 2021 outdoor track meet, NCAA track meet, where there's only at most, I think, three reigning champions on the track in running events. It's pretty crazy. Yeah. I mean, it's one, I mean, you already normally have a bunch of seniors who are champions, right? But then seniors plus on top of reasons to quit, aka COVID, it just uh, elevates the oh, number pro. of oh, pro. pros. Quit. Yeah, sorry. Quit NCAA. Yeah, that's what I call quit NCAA, it. but keep running, so not quitting. Yeah, yeah, but you are quitting the NCAA. Okay, you meant going pro. You okay. got it. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. if you win an NCAA title, chances are you quit your NCAA job and you take your new job. <laughs> yeah. So this doesn't surprise you. This this popped out to me as wow. That's kind of that's kind of crazy. It didn't really surprise me that much. There's already a lot of turnover. I mean, you should, dude. There's times when I'm diving in these rankings where like. In like a random in like the women's in like the women's mile or eight hundred, there's only like two from the top sixteen that return. Yeah, like yeah. it's crazy, and not return because they're all seniors, but like two from the top sixteen that make it to mm -hmm. NCAA's. Like yeah. it's like because like you have like years where like someone decides to run a different event or like they just they suck all of a sudden and then like you just. It's like, wait a minute. There's like no returners in this event. Like the person who got seventh last year is the top returner. And you're like, what? Yeah. Like that happens a yeah. lot. And you're like, well, the seventh returner we don't think is the best, isn't going to win. And it's always like these newcomers who come in and these freshmen and people who just had breakout races who start like showing up. And I think that's what's going to happen here. Uh, 
Quincy Hall would have, I don't think he had indoor eligibility. So kind of makes sense for him to like kind of take what he can. Um, doesn't really affect the indoor scene, but hey, Quincy Hall, get the bag. We don't know where he's going though, right? He doesn't. He didn't announce a. Did he announce a brand? I didn't. I didn't see. I didn't see. One other thing on this, I want to mention though. In years past, we have had, in recent memory, we've had people like Holloway, who have won it since freshman year, and they're just a mainstay. You have people like Alio, who were there, and then even someone like Oliver Hoare who won the 1500 a couple years ago and then and then still came back. We're missing the the like legacy person, the person who won it as a freshman but it was too soon to go pro or they won it in a way that you know doesn't make them competitive on the world scene so they're going to stick around. Like we don't have that we don't have that person going into 2021 in the running events. I don't feel unless you know somebody I feel like people who go pro early, there's like a formula for it. And the people who don't go pro early, there's a reason for that too. I think, like you mentioned, Hoare, Alio, and Grant Holloway. Yeah. Right? And why did they not go pro, even though they all won at a young age and kept winning going on? But then you have someone like... uh. Donovan Brazier, mm-hmm. go early. Uh, I don't know. Basically, what I'm trying to say is the reason why Hoare didn't go early is because he was international and he wasn't an all. T- he wasn't good enough to be like world class good yet at that right. age. Yeah, yeah. He's like a three thirty six guy. He's like, all right, well, three thirty six is nothing at the world stage. So that's why Alio, she's American, but she her times weren't that good. Because she's, you know, compare her to the rest of this, to Emma Coburn. It's like, okay, hmm. you're not ready. And then Grant Holloway, I feel like they were like, well, he's not winning the hundred; he's winning the hurdles. So mm-hmm. his value isn't as high yet. He hasn't developed a, like, he hasn't turned the hurdles into marketable yet because he needs to like dominate it. And then everyone's like, ooh, this is exciting. Um, I think people who are able to go pro early are. They have to be. They have to be good enough to make a U.S. team mm-hmm. in a marquee event, or good enough to win a world medal in any event. She That's Richardson, why someone like run. Emmanuel Courier can go early because he was good enough to win a world medal. So Nike's like, hey, you'll 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 make it. You'll win. You could win worlds. And that's yeah. why Donovan Brazier is like, you go pro early because you're good enough to make a, a U.S. team. U.S. team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's I, – I agree with that pretty much 100%. Shakira Richardson, 1075. Boom. Done. Yeah. Don't need to see any more. You won the Glamour event. You ran a time that puts you competitive for a gold medal. You're you're gone. Holloway, in retrospect, is the one where you're like, hmm, that, that's kind of interesting. But I think part of that has to do with the fact of you know, he's really close to his coach. And yeah. that that was the best setting for him to continue to improve, and obviously it it, it paid off there. Kind of like the Tim Tebow factor in Florida. Yeah, but build a statue for Holloway. Um, but you and Lincoln were touching on this a bit yesterday when you're talking about what type of high schooler goes pro versus what type of high schooler sticks around. 
and I think it's the formula that you just described. If you're able to be competitive at the international level, like Mary Kane was, or like Noah Lyles was already, that makes a ton of sense. But if you're in an event where you break a lot of records, but your times are still well back of where they need to be to make a U.S. team, then the offers are not going to be as lucrative unless somebody's just betting long on, on potential. Or you're in some sort of, you know, you're in the the glamour event at the time. You know? I was talking with a coach. It's mm. kind of counterintuitive. But if you're an NCA coach, would you rather have someone who runs 1330 in the 5K? Who 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 runs 1335 as a freshman in the 5K? And by senior year, they're running 13.25. So they stay in mm -hmm. that 10-second range. Or someone who sophomore year or junior or freshman year runs like 13.15. And then it's now like, like running like 13.10. Like ideally, you'd be like, oh, you want the faster person, right? But mm -hmm. the faster person is more likely to go pro which means you get that athlete for less time, whereas yeah. you could probably have a 1330 guy be valuable to you winning NCAA titles, being a top scorer in cross country. You know, It's like one of those things where being too good at NCAA can actually make you lose the asset quicker, right? Like, and, and what it's the like coach you kind of well, laughed it off. Like, yeah, I mean, you just you – you laugh at it, right? Because it's like, yeah, tech – yeah, because you you know you don't no no one ever is going to say publicly that you don't want your athlete to be great, right? Because you obviously do, but it's like there's a negative consequence to training an athlete to be really fast, and that consequence is you don't get to have them in your jersey for all four years, right? But it's like a yeah, weird but, thing. But if they get really really fast, then they win that year, or you win that year, and that's. You want to have that one in hand versus okay, three years of possibilities because the thirteen thirty five like, person is. But say you're like a cross country coach, would you rather have a guy who you know is going to finish in the top ten for four straight years, or a guy who wins once? Well, if you could plan it ahead of time, I, I see your argument. But what I'm saying is, if they just win that year and they shock the world. Then you're like, well, at least we got that one, right? And then also, I think you yeah, can recruit. Coaches better. are like trying to like plan out their don't rosters. You, you know what I mean? Like, don't you want that for recruiting? I feel like that that almost helps when you get the 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 big splashy freshman who goes there for a year and goes pro. That helps you to get the next superstar, and then you just but like you can like cycle them all in. <laughs> why you not? Know, I'm other, sure like so, yeah. like you can think you can think of countless examples of like. Like Dave Smith, right? When he had two women qualify for NCAAs in cross country in 2019 and they both finished top 20. Imagine mm -hmm. if Sinclair Johnson was on that team, right? That team would yeah. have been potentially like a podium type team, but, having three women who could finish top 20. But he decided but he to make Sinclair Johnson really good. And now the <laughs> negative to that is. Well, I you, think he. You know? I think every coach is trying to make. Their athletes good, or they they should. I think that's an assumption I've always had. But no, why did she go pro? She went pro because she won the NCAA fifteen hundred. 
So you trade that NCAA 1500 for her coming back? I don't think so. I don't think you would. I think you'd take that. Like, you got like NCAA Luis title What What if Luis Grijalva goes pro, right? Mm-hmm. You lose out on using him next year for NAU, and NAU loses their number one stick in 2021 fall. Yeah. Like – it's great for Luis, and it's great for like, hey, develop this guy who is like a fucking yeah. flat guy now. But like, you're also like, ah, oh, man, it would have been nice to have Luis Grijalva to go up against BYU in 2021 fall, right? They don't, they're not losing Mance. Like, Ed Eyestone is keeping Mance in that sweet spot of like, good mm-hmm. enough to be top tier at the NCAA, <laughs> but not. You think good this is intentional? To get a I don't think this contract. is intentional. I don't think this is intentional. But you're just. If you're, you're able to keep – it's about keeping those top-tier athletes in the NCAA sweet spot where they're good enough to be valuable but not good enough to be uh, – to lose them. And I think coaches think about it. Look, they might think about it, but what you're describing is what my dad says is a winner's problem. It, it, that only comes because you're, you're really successful. And I think then you're going to get the next Luis Grijalva and you're going to turn that guy into a – 13 15 5k runner who's an all-american and then the success builds from there there's so much there's so many weird quirks of timing in the ncaa of who gets a title and who doesn't who ends up on the podium and who doesn't that i just think you're yes you plan long term and you have the the rob connor whiteboard that you showed us when you did the workout week with with rob connor but I think you also, when you have the opportunity, you need to strike. And even if it doesn't, even if it means people are not going to stick around as long, you and it's not on some preordained timetable, you take it because it's just so hard to to recreate that. It's so competitive. That's what I think. Like Mike Holloway, maybe he could have still won his all of his team titles with Grant Holloway getting second in every race as opposed to first, right? <laughs> And if he does get second every race, maybe Grant Holloway's value isn't as good. And guess what? Then you get a whole another year of Grant Holloway in exchange for yeah. like losing one, two points at the, in the team race. But you get him for a whole another year. You're trading two points for then 10 points his senior year. Ten, senior year, but you win it, right? You want them to be their best of senior year, not early, because then it's like you might not get them their senior year. And I, I would love to think about it. I would love to see his reaction. I wish he was on the podcast right now for you to tell him that. Look, Ooh. you're right. Two points. Two points is two points. Not a lot. Could be significant. But what is significant is champion versus not a champion. And we yes. remember the champions, and we don't remember the people that got runner-up. Do you remember any of the people who got runner-up to Grant Holloway other than Daniel Roberts last year? No, you probably no. don't. Right, exactly. So – they want to say they want to put on their resume and the athlete wants to have on their resume that they were the champion. And I think that is a lot more, that's worth a lot more than some sort of future plan down the road that may not work out to them is because it they can get enough. Yes. It's hundred percent. No, you, I think Mike Holloway would rather have Grant. You got six Grant titles out, for, yes. a senior, for a senior year. For a senior in exchange to change those six titles to three. Well, that's not – he was going to go – even if his 1298 was his first title, he was gone because he ran 1298. And that was it. Yeah, well, he, he should have ran – he, he should have got second to Dana Roberts on purpose 
to lose the value. You know, you know who else went pro? I mean, Daniel Roberts. He would have gone. Like, pro. think about this. Do you think he was Milt, Grant Fisher ran all four years at Stanford, right? Super. He took yeah. his time. I have a feeling maybe maybe Milt was all about like it's all about slow development, but maybe Milt was like I want Fisher to be in my number one scorer for four years at, in cross country, so therefore. I'm not going to let him show off as a true freshman and run what he truly can. I'm going to slowly build him up. Maybe Fisher could have been a 13 team guy in like his sophomore no. year. He did win NCAAs his no. sophomore year, but he held him back time wise. I don't know. I think I coaches. I think I think there is an argument that they are doing a slow build and a gra- an incremental build, but that's what everybody does at all levels of track and field for the most part, for the most part, but like back to Holloway and just the sprinters in general, if you win a sprint event or a hurdle event at the NCAA championships, you're going to be on a radar for a pro contract. doesn't matter what age you are. That's just the reality of how competitive it is. So what you're suggesting is a whole bunch of programs are just colluding with one another, not to finish first in the sprint events. Like they're going to run, really hard for 350 meters of the 400 and then look around at everybody else and and not win so that way they don't get a pro contract. You could also it's tell like the them movie Incredibles. It's like the Incredibles movie with the dad and Dash in the 100 and he's like he knows that Dash can win but he's like hey don't win by too much. You know, maybe but like coaches are like hey, we need to hold our cards. They also could advise them and say hey, you're not ready yet. Um you're going to you're going to win a bunch of NCAA titles and you're going to get offers but you're not you're not ready yet. That's a that's a possibility too. I mean, I mean, we know. I know we know that like Texas A and M. Pat Henry was not happy that Donovan Brazier went pro. Right? He lost out on a guy who was going to be like a stalwart, like a workhorse for him for many years mm-hmm. at the SEC level and national level to be on a four by four to score ten points in the eight hundred. But he went too. He got too fast, too quick. He yeah. He. And like maybe he's like, man, maybe you should have broke that collegiate record like junior year and not freshman year. <laughs> Keep running your one forty sixes and then run your one forty four, one forty three. You know, yeah. I don't know. But like to use them as an example, they were. It's not like they were no longer competitive, and it's not like they never had an another eight hundred meter runner again. They have one of the best eight hundred meter classes in the country. They have well the reigning women's champion and the runner up on the men's side, and that's 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 okay. my point. Hold like, on, hold on. What year? What year did it was 2016? Yeah, Brazier won in 16. Right? Yeah. Okay, so let's go to the 2017 outdoor championships. Uh oh, Gordon's going to recreate these championships. But this is just my point. That's it's not how it's done. It's like you mid race, they're not like, oh, Brazier's going to break the collegiate record. Let's tell him to slow down. It's just okay. In 2017. The year yeah. after Donovan Brazier left, Texas A&M got second, lost by two points. If Texas A&M had Donovan Brazier, they w- they beat Florida. They would have beat Florida. And I guarantee you, Pat Henry, when he saw this, looked up at the score and saw he lost by two points, he was like, "God damn it! Why did Donovan Brazier have to break the collegiate record as a freshman?" I maybe, know for but a maybe fact. he won't say it publicly, but that they, they're they're thinking that right now. Again, I'm all pro athlete, so like I'm happy for Donovan. He got his contract, and Pat Henry's gonna be fine. Yeah, like, the Texas A&M program's not going anywhere. Like there'll be another year. You know, it's not like he he needs it or else he's fired. 
Uh, whereas Donovan, you should get your money when you can. Like his career is a lot shorter than a coach's career. So Donovan made the right decision, but you do know there's a little bit of that coach being like, man, I coached him too fast. Right? Yeah. Maybe Florida, did Florida have someone go pro That's that a year? Perfect example. Perfect example right add there. Some, add some points back on. I know, but I'm, but I'm saying you still, you still take it. You still take it when you can get it because you can't, that's not the way sports works. You can't chart everything out. On a, this is you're just doing Mori ball here. This is what this is. This is a roundabout way to say that the process worked, Gordon. When your first preseason game is tonight, you can't put everything on a spreadsheet. Sometimes it's just the guy's going to be fast or the woman's going to be fast when they're fast, and you and you roll with it, and then you go from there. And if they leave, you say, "Man, we did a good job with this with this athlete. We turned them into this," and you move on to the next one and you support them. That's what I think. I think it's insane. I, I would like to know the actually what was going through the head of the coach who you talked to about this when you were bringing this stuff up. So, well, it was more going I mean, through they, my head, and I was, I was projecting were, it onto the coach. They were humoring you. I think is what was happening. Is that what was happening? Yeah. Uh, speaking of Florida, you have some transfer news. Are you? Is this public? Or are you breaking this right now? No, it's pu- it's public. I knew he was leaving because oh. I remember looking at Florida's roster, and I didn't know where he was going. Uh, but Corey Poole, another 400-meter hurdler, transferring to North Carolina A&T from Florida. Mm. Uh, to talk about Corey Poole, let's see what place he finished last year. He was a point scorer. He was a junior in 2019. Uh, so he finished – what was he? So he had a kind of a bad race um, at Nationals. In 2019, he finished 17th, but he has a PR of 50.09, which is not bad, right? That can yeah, that can make How many years NCAA he have final. I think he'll have one year because he was a junior. I think I could be wrong though. Okay, one year. No, North Carolina years because he was a junior as an indoor, so he has two outdoors. He probably has two outdoors, so he has two years. North Carolina and T. They got a squad, right? They do got a squad. Did they lose any of their guys from last year? I think they do. They might lose a couple. I think like Trevor Stewart and people like that. But they'll they'll have they'll have some they'll have they'll have some bodies. They'll be able to put together a team. I don't really know to be honest. Like the intricacies of who's like the sleeper, who's like the dominant. Um, it's gonna be really hard to know like with these transfers. With people, are they keeping their eligibility? Are they not? You know. Who knows? So, I know well, I'm Houston, looking at the Houston is getting a good sprinter. They're getting like this guy who's like a sub ten sprinter. Uh, so that's mm. good. I mean, Carl Lewis knows how to coach sprinters, so um, that will be interesting. Okay. I'm not sure though uh, who has like the bodies. It's it's going to be another SEC type school, and it's going to be even more of that because. I think it's going to be diluted with lack of good distance runners taking away points and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. we'll see what happens. Probably well, Georgia is going to be good out of nowhere, right? Georgia will have like all these field people who've been just like thrown in the middle of COVID being fine. I'm looking at their roster. Uh, Trevor Stewart's still on there. Akeem Sirleaf is still on there. Of course, Randolph Ross was just a freshman last year 
And then Jalen Mitchell's pretty good. You throw Corey Pool in there. Now, is it enough to get a title? Probably not. But they're certainly going to have a, a really good 4 by 4 and they're going to rack up some points. <clears throat> yeah, Podium? I'm just not sure what the Top eligibility four? is, if it's only indoor or if it's only outdoor, you know, so. Oh, that's true. So 2021 does not specify how much eligibility they yeah. have left. They might only have it outdoor be, or something like that. Yeah, it should be required on all these team pages for them to put oh, like their clock up there on their bio, right? Right? They should have their PRs at the top, and then how many seasons they have left, because it is extremely difficult to figure that out. The worst is when you see just like GR, which means graduate student, like, yeah, yeah. and then they're like they're a graduate student for like four years, like, yeah. Like I found out that uh, do you know who sells eligibility? Oh, you told me this. Was it uh, yeah. in Oregon? Yeah, Oregon. James West. What's his name? Yeah, James West. I was like, mm-hmm. he's like, yeah, I still have outdoor. I'm like, what? <laughs> you were like a grad student like four years ago. And I'm like, yeah, I'm still yeah. Hey, he but, should have yeah. infinite outdoor eligibility after he got screwed at the West Prelim getting DQ'd for a false start in a 1500. I'm for, I'm pro James West getting extra seasons because he was robbed of that year. So when are your official, official rankings coming out? Not till next New year. Year's? Yeah, I'm not going to work January over the holiday. January 2nd? Sometime in January, it'll come out. Uh, I did post on our site, um, updated who has the world, who has the Olympic standard rankings. Yeah, for we US. talked about that, right? Did we oh, talk about it? Oh. I don't know if we talked. But what's added into it is I included athletes who don't have the Olympic standard, but, mm-hmm. but, but, but. Their current world ranking is high enough that if they finish top three at USA's with this world ranking, they would still get to go because mm-hmm. even though they don't have the time, they have the ranking. And notable athletes like Isaiah Harris, he doesn't have the world standard of uh, the Olympic standard, but he does have a world ranking that is high enough that he would get picked. People like Ben Blankenship, John Gregoric, Sam Prackle, they have it in the fifth. So that would hold. That would hold until. Trials? Well, that's as of your ranking on December 10th. Now, your ranking right. is going to go up or down in the next few months. So your ranking really doesn't mean anything right now because it doesn't matter. It only matters at the end. But at least it lets you know where you stand at this moment, whether you go up or down. And you will go down on, if you if you stop running good times, right? Because your older times slowly fall off your resume as they far as you – time goes on yeah. right so there's so gonna be a be point me- where if you ran a really fast time many years ago you're gonna have to recreate that or else you're not gonna have that data point on your in your ranking okay but heading into the trials will we know who could go yes, via ranking we'll know, or would it we'll still know, be up in the air here's the thing we'll know your rank we'll know heading into the trials but here's the thing your performance at the trials could help or hurt your ranking, right? Right. And there'd be meets after so, that too that would help or hurt other people's rankings no, no, too, no. correct? No. I when think, is it shut off? Not, I think it shuts off at the same. I think the – I don't know. I'm not sure. I've talked about this yet. There are like what if you get bumped by last minute because some random like man from mm-hmm. Morocco ran like 330 in a 1500 yeah. in like a yeah. random time trial and then bumps you out. Yeah. Stuff like that could happen. 
you hope that doesn't happen. The odds are very rare that one performance in the middle of nowhere could affect you going from 48 to 49. But um, it gives you at least an idea, right? Where like, Hey, I'm, I I'm in it. I'm in the, in the quota. It's not (laughs) official, but I know for a fact that like, there's a chance as opposed to be like, I don't have the standard. I'm out, you know, you and USATF will honor that, right? USATF will honor that. Yeah, they that, said they so. would know. They said they're going to use okay. the world rankings. Here's my question to you. If we polled 100 elite American track and field athletes, how many of them would be able to tell us their world ranking right now? Correctly. Of like all countries or just Americans? Americans. Let's just say Americans. And all events, their world ranking. Mm-hmm. We just got a hundred. We just get a random sample of a hundred elite athletes. So top eight in the U.S. We'll say in every event, and we get a random sampling of a hundred. And we we bring them on the pod actually, and we say, hey, before you go, one last question: What's your world athletics ranking by chance? How many of them get it right? I bet you only like eight. No. I was gonna say five, and the five who know would be brazier because it'd be, it'd be like one be like, yep you're right good job it'd be the people who are, are really good like, Christian but, Taylor, one <laughs> yeah it'd be it'd be people randomly guessing one now can you bring up the 800 bring up the men's 800 oh, i'm actually curious what, what is isaiah harris's ranking i have no idea you could tell me 40 i would believe it you could tell me six i would believe it i have no clue what his ranking would be um his ranking well, here, I bet you none of them know, like, their actual, like, score, right? Because well, you have your ranking and then you have your score. I bet you none of them know their score. Uh, no, so men's 800. Yeah. So Donovan Brazier's one with 1,422. Right. Can you guess who's second? Score? Can you guess who's second? I bet you can. Uh, I mean, it's not is – is it, like, Ferguson Chariot? Yeah. Wow. Good one. Get that one. Out. I just thought of somebody Third ran a lot. That's – Third is Emil Tuca. Fourth is Brandon okay. McBride. Fifth is Wesley Vasquez. Sixth is Adam Schott. Seventh mm-hmm. is Murphy. Eighth is Hopple. My boy okay. Emmanuel Correa is tenth. It's bullshit. Well, that's not that's not an insane order. But what is and then what's Harris? Where is Isaiah Harris? Yeah, Isaiah Harris is ranked. I guess he's got to be in the top twenty-four, right? Because that's how you stay. He's twenty-six. Pick. Okay, but you're saying because people would f- scratch or fill fill the field, like he would get to go well, even though he's 26. I mean, even like Harun Abda, I think can get in, and he's ranked, and Eric Sawinski. So like, because you have to like, it's based off of like only three per country, right? So it's yeah, 48, yeah. I think three per country, and yeah. then eventually you see where you're where your ranking would fall. Like, because if you take out Donovan Brazier and put you in, will you? Yeah. Did you fill it in, you know? But yeah, Harris yeah. is ranked 26, so he has a pretty good ranking. Who do you think but would like be Paul Chalimo is ranked high enough in the 10K, so he doesn't need to get the time as of right now. Who do you think would be the farthest off on guessing their world ranking? Either they guess too high or too low. Because I don't think Harun Abda. That's a good one. I don't think Harun Abda would guess that he technically already has the like he could go. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think someone like uh, 
I bet you Sam Prackle doesn't know that he like is in. Yeah. What about like, really? I haven't run three thirty-five yet, though. You know. Yeah. Where are these? Okay, here you go. Event rankings. I'm gonna find one for. I've now. This is. Are you looking as of December eighth? Yeah, that's the only ranking that matters, man. Okay. Yeah. No, I just. Okay, so I'm looking at how many people know their per date ranking. <laughs> that's zero. <laughs> okay. Because last year, I guess this was midway through the season, and now it's been course corrected. But last year, the women's formula hurdles was all screwed up. But they have Sydney is nine points ahead of Dalila Muhammad. That's kind of interesting. No? Yay? Okay, maybe not. Um, let's try. Check this out. Let's... Guess guess, uh, guess where Cesarek is the fourth – oh, no. He's the fifth-ranked Kenyan in the 10K. Oh, okay. All right. Women's 15. I don't think Shelby would put, have put herself eighth. I think she would have had herself higher. Jenny Simpson, 11th. What's the women's 5,000? Let's see. Uh, Obiri, Hassan, Coco, Kiplimo. Oh, wow. What? Sh wait. Schweizer's ahead remember, of... Everything they did this summer did not matter. Oh, okay. Well, then that Take makes count. sense. Okay. Uh, the performances between March and December didn't matter. Yeah. Okay. Because as I say, Schweizer, Schweizer's up that high because of what she did in Doha last year. That makes that makes sense. Okay. Yeah, I think this is a fun new segment. The next time we have a guest is what is your world ranking, and and how many points do you have? Because I don't even think people know the scale. They might say I nine <laughs> points. Do I have nine points? And then nine you say points. no, no, no. I have nine points. Yeah. Um. Yeah. All right. We'll leave it there. Uh, there was a good tweet I wanted to discuss that the Bowerman Track Club posted about how many players or how many, uh, yeah, player NFL players it would take for them to score every time on the entire Bowerman Track Club. But we can save that one for later because uh, I think Sean McGordy can lower the boom on some people. Uh, he can single-handedly tackle uh, most NFL running backs. Saquon Bar yeah. Saquon Barkley versus Chris Derrick, who you got? That's what we're going to discuss next time. Um, Email us, though, flowtrackpodcast at gmail.com. We need topics. Remember, end-of-the-year awards are coming up, so send in your your recommendations for not just awards, but as Gordon mentioned yesterday, categories, things that, that you would like us to rank. I don't know, best kick, best comeback, best Philadelphia-related sports moment that is not in any way connected to track and field. You can do any of that. Sound good, Gordon? Sounds good. All right. We'll leave it there. Thanks, Alon, for producing. Flowtrackpodcast at gmail.com. We'll talk to you guys tomorrow.